me, my book really applies to anybody who has a pulse. Yeah. You know, there's no hierarchy in spirituality. We're all the goddamn same. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And 12 step too, right? You see a homeless guy and you see a multimillionaire and they're in the same spot. Yep. Yep. There's no hierarchy there. It does not discriminate. It, it, uh, equal opportunity employer. Uh, yeah, it'll get us 100%. all. Hey, everybody, this is Dan with Spiritual Underground Podcast. You know, uh, as I've said a hundred times before, uh, you guys, we get this uh, monkey off our back with uh, with uh, booze and the dope and uh, it's the old peeling of the onion and you peel that off and then right underneath of it is some other thing that uh, we have opportunity to uh, to, to um, deal with in our lives and and you know, I had when I when I got sober, I was so jacked up and so high on life because it had been so long that my system was not operating. You know, my dopamine receptors and all that stuff wasn't doing what it was supposed to do. And then when I got stuff rearranged, I kept on wanting to know what what can I do next? What more? What more? What more? And uh, I picked up some little thing that said uh, I heard a guy say, add to your life uh, things which will improve the quality of your life in recovery. And uh, so I started searching out that stuff. And then later on down the road, I had this podcast and then people knock on my door, bringing me ideas on ways to uh, to do just that. So today, uh, I don't want to pronounce your last name wrong, though. Uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, Robert. Yeah, my name is Robert Althaus. OK, you say it like house. I know it's U-I-S, but you say it like house, like in English, Althaus. Althaus. It's a weird Dutch name. Don't worry about it. Yeah. No, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Cool. So uh I did look up on you a little bit, but I definitely want you. So what brings you to the spiritual underground today? Well, first of all, I got invited. So appreciate that, Dan. And uh, thank you so much. But I, I, uh, I'm actually launching a book tomorrow. It's called oh, awesome. Love and Truth. And we'll talk a little, we'll touch on that a little bit uh, tomorrow. But, you know, my journey was a little bit different than yours, but a lot of similarities and parallels um, because, um, you know, I was uh, fairly high up in the business world. I went to Ivy League school. I had a lot of success and I was punch drunk on power and money and to some extent women. And so we all we all have our own ways of numbing ourselves. And mine came from a very, very deep wound of not being seen by my father. And I just wanted to prove that I was worth his recognition. And, uh, you know, that low self-worth really was the the, the propelling force behind what the world was applauding as this wonderful career and this top GE guy. And it went in from business for himself and he was successful and he had to oceanfront community home and the perfect wife and the perfect toys and the perfect kids and the perfect everything. My LinkedIn profile, I mean, you should have seen it. It was fantastic. But the problem was I sold my soul on that way, you know, to that business top. And I also saw, because I I operated at very high regions of business, and that is, uh, those aren't the most savory places in the world. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that happens there in those circles that uh, you become part of it. You swim in the sharks, you become a shark. And so slowly but surely, you know, my integrity, my, you know, the values I grew up with, I just, um, anything to get ahead, anything to get further, uh, just the ultra high driven kind of, you know, guy, alpha guy with a huge path of debris and carnage and broken hearts and, uh, you know, business partners that no longer serve me or whatever. And um, at some point, I sold uh, that business uh, uh, 2015, 2014 and 2015. And, and, you know, now I had everything. I was on the top of this mountain peak. Uh, I was also using a lot of drugs. I had ulcers. I had all kinds of you know chemicals that were kind of keeping me, uh, uh, 
you know, intact, but the outside looked great, but the inside I was bankrupt. And so I had a spontaneous spiritual awakening and I really didn't know what to do with it at the time. I didn't even know what awakening was. Um, but literally my crown chakra opened up. I became claircognizant, which is, you know, have a direct sense of direct knowing. Hmm. I started feeling energies in very different ways, clairsentient, and really my heart opened. And now I suddenly could feel all the stuff that I had done to others and myself as well. And so that started a journey of reconciliation. You know, what do I do now? You know, where do I go from here? And uh, we just talked about it. I call these um, these junctions, these crucibles in our life that we meet. And it's usually crisis, catastrophe, or calamity. And that definitely, my, my life started to self-destruct. Literally, everything started to fall apart. Nature helped a little bit with a hurricane wiping out a business. I got divorced. My father passed away. And so by the end of 2017, I, you know, all that stuff was gone. I was just stripped naked by the universe. And to tell you the truth, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Right. Because uh, now I couldn't go anywhere anymore. I couldn't hide from it anymore. You know, it had all kind of fallen apart. That, that big old story I built for 25 years, that powerful guy, that guy that could do everything, it just, I fell from grace. Yeah. And so, you know, what do you do now? And, you know, the answers are on the inside. And it's the same which we just talked about in a 12-step program. Um, you know, situations or crucibles like this guide you inward, right, to your true nature. And once we can kind of touch that and tap into that and learn a little bit more about that, uh, we start seeing life in a whole different uh, perspective. And uh, and so that was my journey on getting where I am now, where I'm a spiritual mentor to CEOs and visionaries, people that used to be me. Yeah. And I write books and I speak and, uh, you know, I share this uh, message because I think there's a lot of pain in the world. Yeah. And uh, I've been there and I know what it feels like. Um, I've been suicidal. Uh, I've been depressed. I know what it is to be right there on the edge. And so, you know, I have a huge compassion for people that find themselves there because I um, I think for anybody that wants to get out of that, there is a path. But sometimes we need someone that shows up. And I had those people in my life that says, you know what, I believe in you. I believe you can do it. Because sometimes we're so, so far gone, right, that we don't believe in ourselves anymore. We don't believe we have the strength and the fortitude and the grit and the perseverance. Life has just completely mashed us up. Yeah. And when we're there, and it doesn't matter how you get there, um, doesn't matter what happened to you or what, what, what you had or didn't have, is at that place, we're all bare naked. Right? And, yep. and stripped down. And, and I, um, I just find a huge reward or, or satisfaction in using my journey and knowing what, what, what worked for me and what helped for me to share that with others that, um, that are in that place or are just open, right. To, to yeah. see themselves in a different light and to see their own potential and to see their own ability to create their own life, because usually they've abdicated all their power. They yeah. just think life has been done unto them. And the first thing you have to shift around is that, you know, I'm creating this life. And how life is happening for me. So whatever shows up in my outer world is all it is an experience. It's a lesson. It actually doesn't mean anything about me other than that. This is where life let me through the actions, words, things that I've done. Right. 
And so if I've created it, now you reclaim the power that I can create something different. Right. Yeah. The first thing we have to get out of is this idea that life is done unto us. Otherwise, you don't have a chance to get out of that hole. Yeah. Right. Well, that was a good story. Anything about that outside stuff? You say, you know, you uh, said a whole lot of things that 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 rang my bells. You know, uh, my teacher, my sponsor uh, talked early on about us all swimming. We're like a bunch of fish in the same fishbowl, you know, and we think that we're not drinking. You know, we think we're not in the same water and we're somehow different from the guy who's swimming around with us. And but the fact of the matter is the water's affecting us all. And it's, it's, we're all in it. It's getting, it's, it's having its impact on all of us. And that's what's happening in the world. And, you know, you said something about, you know, that losing your power or step one is powerlessness. Right. Uh, and, and, uh, until I don't, you know, that's the funny thing about trying to help people is that, that if people can somehow feel that they're still managing at some level. They won't accept the help that 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 you're trying to offer. They have to have that crash and burn, that crucible effect in their lives before they will be receptive to something else. Uh, it's too bad that that uh, that that. Well, maybe it's not. I don't know. Sometimes I get in my yeah, head I, I, you know, I, I to be able to help people so, earlier. So, so, so you know, everything is always in perfect order. And what I mean by that that there's a design to life. There's a design to nature. There's a design of this universe. There's an intelligence far grander than us that's kind of animating all this stuff. I mean, just imagine you, Dan, there, right there sitting. There were two cells, a sperm and an egg coming together, and all the intelligence to create you was already kept in that, right? So it's hard to say there's no intelligence far grander than what we can imagine running through this universe. Now, there's also immutable laws in this universe. And, you know, there's the games man plays, which is the outer world. And it's got a lot, a lot of cocked up rules and it's got a lot of cocked up values and things that, the, you know, they will tell you that we need to do and need to be, you know, and what constitutes success and all that stuff. Now, the game spirit plays has its own set of rules. Right. And so when we go on this inner journey, where we're really going is, well, what are these rules? Because if you play by these rules, the, these rules of, of life itself, right? Mastery of life itself. These are mutable laws. And so when we create a different a transformation in our inner world, now our outer world cannot help but change, which means that some things will fall away that no longer serve us or resonate or, or, or vibe, vibrate with us, right? That includes people, situations, things that we used to get lost in or like or enjoy, you know, will just change. It'll just start Jobs. falling away. And other things are going to come in that now resonate with us. Sort of people that we resonate with, the sort of relationships, the sort of opportunities. And it's all an inner game. I mean, this whole, whole you know, we're like a tuning fork, if you want to think about it that way. Right. Mm. And so I want to get too deep into it. But we have an Atman with a thread of consciousness, this old Phoenix tradition, sacred heart in, 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 um, in the Jesus depictions. And so this thread of consciousness vibrates like a tuning fork, you know, and when you have two tuning forks, I don't know if you've ever seen it on YouTube, and you activate one and the other one is a similar resonance, it will start vibrating, right? That's called sympathetic resonance. Now a tuning fork that are differently tuned, you activate one and the other one will do nothing. Now imagine that every timeline, every situation, every possibility, every potentiality in this universe is just of a certain frequency. So when we get our inner tuning fork in that frequency of what we want to call in, that I call that we turn the small wheels, 
the universal turn to big wheels. Like I, I like because that. by this sympathetic resonance, it cannot help but but literally magnetize into our life. Yeah, I really like. And that. I know that sounds really fluffy, but yeah. this is actually quantum physics. I mean, this is literally, you know, we can do tests here with scientists and I'll show you all this stuff. I mean, and this is actually, you know, on a grand scale, simplified a little bit, but this is how the universe works. So when we change that frequency on the inside out, let's take your situation. You were in a certain place, you know, five, 10 years ago. You're not the same man today, are you? Not even close. Right? People don't and recognize so, me. And, and so the frequency, the vibration of Dan Reeves as transmuted. And some of the things that you attracted in your old life, bad situations, bad habits, yada, 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 right? It just doesn't resonate with you anymore. It doesn't magnetize to you anymore. But other sorts of people come in, right? Mm -hmm. And people seek you out on your podcast and people come into your circle because they're seeking your help. Yep. This is all sympathetic resonance. Yeah. And it attracted me at one point before I had any idea that's what it was doing when I was ready for change. It's that yeah. old thing of uh, when the student is ready, the teacher appears kind of thing. You know, that yeah. I, I, when I was when my frequency was changing, uh, the right person walked into yeah. my life to help guide me into to, 100%. To cultivating that's, that. And that that is part of this intelligence of life itself. And we will never fully understand how it all works in miraculous ways because it's beyond an intelligence, you know, and that's an infinite intelligence. Yeah. What do you call that? God, creator, spirit, quantum field in, in, in science or Monad or Tagaloya, Yahweh. I don't call I don't care what you call it. Yeah. It's really, it's really that's just a linguistic label, right? Whatever feels good for you. Yeah. Let's There's say infinite intelligence. Water. Yeah. Every language this, has a different this, word this, for water. this infinite intelligence. It's always operating. It's always on. And literally our outside world is just a, a, a frequency match, right? With our inner world. And so why do we drink? Why do we seek, um, you know, why do we get lost in these things, in drugs and in, in drinking? Well, usually it's pain because we have to numb something inside of us. Something along the way early in our upbringing or life itself, you know, we have accumulated certain scars and wounds and pain. And that pain is really unbearable. And we don't think we're worthy. We don't think we're enough. We're not lovable. We're not talented. We're destined to be losers, whatever it might be that that programming that takes hold of us. Now that pain needs to be numbed. Alcohol is a numbing agent. Uh, drugs is, marijuana, gambling, sex, porn, money, power. You can get lost in women. You can get, and if you're rich, you can get lost in buying all kinds of stuff. Oh, yep. that your fifth house is somehow, somehow going to fill that void inside of you. Yeah. And we don't look at rich people like, well, they don't have any problems. Guess what? A void inside is a void inside. Right. And you know that from the 12 step too, because you'll have a homeless guy sitting next to a multimillionaire and they're no different. Because they're in pain on the inside. Right. There's no hierarchy in spirituality. We're all we're all the same. We're all the same pay grade. Yeah. I agree wholeheartedly. That's uh, you know, some of what, what letting go of my old ideas is and I have to I have to have somebody 
show me that I'm the same as that other guy. Cause I want to, you know, that's one thing that keeps me from coming in, getting help is because I'm looking around and y'all are not like me. At least that from what, that's what my head's telling me when that's, I was talking about like the lies and the myths that will stop you from that progression, whatever that is, uh, will, will, will work to keep me on the outside of the circle. I have to do some work to break through that stuff. I'll tell you a little story. And, um, so I was on spring break with my kids and, uh, you know, we were on a little ski vacation in Canada and I did this little game, you know, I have these little ski lifts with six people. You go up the hill for five minutes, 10 minutes, whatever. Everybody's like quiet, have the mask on, nobody's talking. And I told my kids a little game, you know, I said, I'm going to ask three questions. And I think within three questions, I'll find something in this person that connects us. And once we're connected, right? a conversation will start. Hmm. And once you start a conversation, it is darn near impossible to hate another person. Yeah. Yep. We are far more, you know, we have far more in common, all of humanity. I don't care where you go than we have differences. And so I did this game and I, I lost only once and it was a six year old kid. And it was on the fifth question. I figured out he lived 20 miles North of me here in Miami. Uh, and my kids were giving me shit for it. I said, well, you know, he was six and he wasn't answering the question so clearly. But every single time on the second or third question, you know, we had a conversation. And by the time we came out of the lift seven, eight, nine minutes later, right, we were all talking. The masks were off. We were communicating. Hey, how you doing? Where you from? What, which is a good hill? Whatever. And the point I wanted to show my kids is this idea that, you know, I can go to a homeless person and ask him three questions and I will find something I have in common with him. because there are no differences between any of us really. Truthfully, there are no real differences. Uh, and, you know, I think that's the important around for, us. The environment around us can the be world tells us but, that, but, but the, the, the truth, world, this, this, essence in this entity that we call a human the spirit that drives us human around we're all the same you know humans are quite simple you know we all need to be seen heard and loved yeah now when we have a childhood or an upbringing that where we're not seen we're not heard or we're not loved we are going to come out of that really mangled and beaten up we will, before we even really get started in the world, we're already in, we're already driven and motivated by so much pain inside of us, right? And we, yeah. we're almost destined to make, you know, poor decisions, seek things that aren't good because we're walking around with so much pain already simply because seen, heard, loved. And I don't care where you are in the world. I don't care if you're a billionaire. I don't care if you're a Saudi oil sheet or you're sleeping somewhere under the bridge. This is the most basic need and we all have it. Yeah. We all need to be seen, heard and loved. And in the absence of that, that's what we kind of talk of that spirit, that spirit gets stepped on and leaves boot tracks in it as a result of that. And then, like yeah. you said, you start out, then you actually like popped out into the world already starting with this deficit. Yeah. Acting uh, from your wounds. Yeah. Yep. And then, then the traps show up because they're out there and you step in a trap and it's dope. Yeah. It and, makes and, you feel because you go, all right, hey, this makes me feel good, you know, and yeah. all right, that makes me feel good. And 
one thing leads to another and you're ghost in a trap, whether if it's power or drugs or what it is. Yeah. And if you grow up like that, if that's your, your early childhood experience, right. Then to you, the outside world, which initially includes probably only your family, it's just an unsafe world. Mm-hmm. Now, when you think the world is unsafe, is is you know nobody, you know, you're gonna fend for yourself. You gotta like, you know, it's not a benevolent universe. And you're gonna act from that understanding, from that perspective. And this is one of the reasons why, you know, it's never really worked to just throw money at poverty. Right. Because when there's a poverty consciousness, if that's just a prevailing thought system, and that's not their fault, because if you're, imagine, you want to take it out of the U.S., imagine you're a little kid that grows up in the streets in Rio de Janeiro, right? And you're five years, four or five years old, you need to fend for yourself. Some older kid, 11-year-old kid gives you a gun and tells you to rob that guy on a car because, you know, you need to eat. If that's the world you grow up in, if that's all you know and that's all you see, you think that kid is going to come into the world with like benevolence inside of him? That's a violent world. That's a dangerous world that he grew up in. And so his actions and the way he expresses himself in the life comes from this place where it's a really, all he knows is a dangerous world. He doesn't know anything else. And so with poverty, if poverty is all around you, if everybody is just struggling, and you know, rarely someone gets out unless you, you know, deal drugs or you get into all these types of things, then you know it's no surprise that so many young kids that's where they end up because that's all they see. They don't have yeah. positive examples, they don't have any examples of how to get out of it. So if you grow up in a broken home where there's possibly drug use or alcoholism and these things, you know, you're almost programmed at a very young age to have a very high proclivity to fall into that. It's not your fault. You just didn't know anything else. That's just what the world showed you. Doesn't mean you can't get out. Right. But you're not the, you're not at fault. You're not a blame, right? Yep. This is just, if you swim in that fish fishbowl, that water is going to leave its stain on you. Yep. The same thing we tell, um, that's the same thing we tell people that come in with alcohol and drugs. It's really not, you know, they want to say, I made the choice to consciously do that. No, you didn't really. <laughs> you, no. you didn't have a choice. You didn't have any choice at all. That's powerless. And then you start doing this stuff where you have to look out for number one all the time, which is that thing when I, I, it's not a safe place. And then I'm inundated with this selfishness and self-centered and I can't pour any of my energy onto anybody else so that we get that cycle going. And it's really a big trap. Um, you know, and I don't, I always, I somewhat want to, I have a greatest father in the world, but it still, I still fell for the trap of exerting energy into uh, getting love, getting love that I was already getting, uh, but my perception of it wasn't that I was getting it. You know, I still strive to make him, you know, I still poured myself into making right. sure that he would see me and, and, and I, that I was valuable so that he would love me. And, yeah, and, and he did the whole time, but I didn't know it <laughs> until later. And then the one other thing that made you think about is the world, the way the world is going with, uh, you know, latchkey type kids and stuff. That's a trap. That's another trap. You don't have, uh, you know, with 
both parents working all day and you get thrown in some stranger place and you grow up and again, there you are powerless against what happened to you. Uh, you the What you need wasn't provided there either, right. potentially. Yeah, yeah, And the world in general, right? I mean, there's a lot of subliminal programming, you know, through the video games, the TV, the music, you know, the stuff we idolize in society, yeah. right? Well, what do we yep. idolize? We idolize celebrities and money and fast cars and, you know, all this sports stuff. Sports players. And, and, and uh, Sports players, athletes, you know, I call it sports voyeurism. Like, we want to yep. be a hero, but we, we can't find the hero inside of us. So we go watch football for six hours and get pounded on beers so yeah. we can see a hero on the screen where, you know, maybe some of that time could be used to actually activate your own heroism inside because, you know, um, these guys are just great athletes, but that doesn't mean they're heroes or even great people. Some are, some aren't really, right? Right. Um, but what society idolizes us is what society teaches us, right? What makes you valuable as a man or desirable as a woman. Yep. And uh, so, that program. you know, the, this programming goes right into your subconscious. Yep. And so if you have a mismatch, you're like, well, this is what society values, but I'm not that. Well, now, now basically you have a conflict. So I'm basically not worthy. I'm not, you know, any of these things. And when you really look at it, what are we idolizing? You know, we're not idolizing virtue. We're not idolizing, you know, great men in terms of character, integrity, you know, I mean, what, I mean, nothing wrong with Kim Kardashian, but what are we idolizing? What's her talent? Right. You know? Um, so, you know, I, I, I think some of this is a little bit of soul searching. And Joseph Campbell is a great mythologist. He had this beautiful saying, um, you know, to advance, all fixed ideas must go. And so one of the things we need to do on this path is to actually really test what society's told us. And is that really true? We have to develop this sovereign critical thinking like, okay, so society tells me I'm, I'm, if I, if I drive a little Kia, I'm X, but if I drive a big old King Ranch F-150, you know, now I'm the man. Who says? Yeah. Where'd that that's society. From? That's marketing. That's society telling you you're something because you drive a certain car or you have a certain position or a certain job or a certain income or a certain house, or you live in a certain neighborhood. All of this is nonsense. It really is. It is. Yeah. So it's the value of what the little letters on the back of the vehicle I drive says. Um, I've got right. that attached to my self-worth. And, and so really, you know, what's the worth of a man? Well, are you honest? Right. Can your work be trusted? Can you trust yourself? You have integrity. You know, do you have strength? Do you have courage when things get hard? Can you can you hold the vision and move towards it? Can you delay gratification? Because the delay of gratif the, um, the level of delay of gratification you can you can basically endure will literally um, you know it, it will basically form the arc of your story. Because if you want immediate gratification. You're not going to gain mastery in anything. Right. It's one of those laws, one of those rules. Right. And so it used to be that if you wanted to be a master carpenter, right, you got out of high school, you became an apprentice, went to trade school, you worked a couple of years on the job, right? You got the shitty jobs first, 
Mm-hmm. And then as you got a little bit better at it, all right, eventually you would become a master carpenter. Nowadays, you know, most people are like, well, if I can't do it in two weeks, you know, I, I don't really have the stomach for it, you know? Yeah, I've been well, here a month already. Um, there's no mastery gained in anything in life in um, two weeks, right? And that can, practice. including like, you know, uh, being a being a good husband or a good wife, mm-hmm. that requires work to gain mastery too. Yes, yeah, sir. Being a good father, good mother, being, you know, valuable to yourself. Can you keep a routine for a while? It takes 90 days actually changing to have from a neurochemical perspective, right? Mm-hmm. To rewire yep. your brain to basically abandon the old neural pathways and lay new ones. Yep. When it's a neuroplasticity overhead. When you make it to 90 so, days sober, there's a whole lot better chance you're going to stay. So if you want to do anything that creates a new habit, and by the time it's a habit, it's easy, right? Because habits are easy. You just do it. But the first 90 days, that's a little bit of willpower, a little bit of grit, a little bit of perseverance, a little bit of focus. Discipline. Discipline. Now, can you do that? And here's the thing. The way you do anything in life is the way you do everything in life. You know, my kids give me shit. You know, I tell them to make their bed. And they say, well, you know, I'm going to sleep in it tonight anyway. I say, yeah, but messy places is messy heads. You know, if your bed is a mess and all your stuff is all over the place, first of all, you're not respecting any of it. And second of all, your school stuff is going to be a mess and your calendar is a mess. And you're going to forget your appointments and you're like, you know, I'm just teaching you that there's some really basic stuff in life that we can create habits around. Right. Because the way you do anything is the way you do everything. Yeah. We need a retooling when it gets here. Yeah. That, if you if you trick. if you cheat in anything in your life. Like I have high level clients. Right. And they tell me like, uh, you know, my uh, tax accountant, you know, this and that. And, you know, I, I, I they're never going to find out. And I said, so basically you cheated on your taxes. And I said, well, it's not really cheating. You know, it's, it's, it's I said, yeah, it's cheating. And I know that if you cheat on your taxes, you're going to cheat in other areas in your life. Yeah. Because integrity, you either have integrity or you don't. Is it that simple? It is. And the universe usually doesn't, they might let you get away with it this time, but it's oh, not you gonna always let pay you get for your karmic debts. No, 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 you always pay for <laughs> yep, your karmic debts. And, and the universe has really intelligent ways far beyond our ideas of justice or, uh, or, 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 or anything like that. So just let the universe figure out karmic debts with other people. That's not your problem to solve. Your problem is, you know, I'm responsible for me, for my part in it, right? So if I can look myself in the mirror, and I can, I can say, you know, I showed up in integrity. I was honest. I did the right thing. I said the right words. Doesn't mean you're a doormat. Nope. Right. Uh, um, but you're responsible for you. You're not responsible for the rest of the world. Yep. Everybody else is none of my business. And the only person I have any power over or any, any influence over ultimately is just me. That's the only place that I can really do anything. I've been taught all my life. You can't change other people. So if it really is, if my problems really are those other people, I'm screwed big time. Cause I know I can't do anything about them. Yeah. That's right. The only power you have is your perspective on it. So we, everything that happens to us, we have a, an idea about, right. Uh, and that's truly really a perspective. 
It's only relative truth, because if I put five people in the same room witnessing the exact same thing, they will all experience it and recount it differently. Because our prism that we that we look through, you know, through and experience life has has formed through our unique life. And I've never walked a mile in your shoes, and you've never walked a mile in my shoes. So if I'm, some things are going to irk you, and it won't mean anything to me. Some things might bug me, and you're like, "What are you worried about, Robert?" Yeah. Right. And some things touch a wound or a scar inside of you. And for me, it will just flow right through me. It doesn't do anything. And this could be a harmful world. This can be someone that's mad, someone that screws you, whatever. And really, the thing you control is this perspective. That's really because you actually don't control what someone else says or thinks. No control over that. Yeah. But how you receive that, that, how you receive it, that's 100% in your control. Mm Mm-hmm. So Aristotle said an interesting thing, you know, a wise man can uh, evaluate a thought and dismiss it readily. Because all of these are just thoughts we have, right? So when we have a certain perspective that comes up in our mind, a certain thought, and it's not constructive, it's not going to help us move forward, doesn't make us feel good, we can say, you know what, I'm going to pass on that thought. I don't need to think this. Right. One of my favorite speakers has a line that says, I'm not responsible for my thoughts, but I am responsible for how long I think them. Because stuff is going to come across that wavelength that yeah. maybe isn't in alignment with what you're, you know, I get some crazy thoughts once in a while. We all do. How much I have. Yeah, we all do. I can do it. You know, once again, I can only speak for me uh, that uh, it's a matter of how long I think them. And if I put any action behind them, I might want to kill that guy that just cut me off but if i just keep my hands on the steering wheel and keep on minding my own business no no harm right (laughs) what that thought was and there's so little we know right because that exact example someone cut you off in traffic well what if what if just the scenario was this guy just got a phone call and his wife is pregnant in the hospital and he's trying to get now you knowing that would change your thought you yeah, say, oh, yeah, go, 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 go for it. Grant you're that. really in that much of a rush, go for it, man. No problem. Good luck with the pregnant. Uh, good luck with the job. Hope you make right. it on time. Yeah. But because we don't know, we have no idea what's going on with that person. So it's just an asshole cutting us off. Yeah. And there's another flaw in it, too, because he really didn't cut me off. He cut whatever entity was there at that time in the space. He didn't mm-hmm. do that to me. <laughs> that yeah, wasn't personal. personal. Yeah. Yeah, I know for sure. And so often, right, we we make up all these beliefs and we have this often um, we talk to friends or something, you know, we have a little discourse and then we finally get to hash it out and it turns out to be nothing. It's like, man, I didn't know that's what you were thinking. I wouldn't have known that. I wouldn't have, left, you know, whatever, X, Y, or Z, right? And so it's safe to say that... Um, most of those things is just best to let go. And 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 the thoughts really become can become damaging, but also uh constructive and empowering. Because mm-hmm. our emotions is what actually powers thoughts. So the thought alone is kind of harmless. It can kind of come in and out of us. But when we attach an emotion to it, 
When we have an angry thought and we attach an angry emotion at it, now our whole body tenses up. We're like, you know, I don't want to shout. We want to like, you know, because it gets powered up with emotion. You got to see emotion as the fuel. Now, at the very same way, if we have something very positive happens to us, right, or something we like, or we get a call and, you know, we got a job offer or whatever, we are powering that joy with emotion too. And now it elevates us. Now it empowers us. Because when we're in joy and bliss and we feel good, now we can just walk through walls. Now we got motivation and inspiration and like, you know, all this beautiful stuff comes alive in us because we're just, you know, the emotions are really charging these positive thoughts. Hmm. And so to be aware of this, it's like, okay, I had this thought, but do I really want to charge this with anger, with resentment, with, you know, all these things? But I really want to like, you know, because I carry that with me. The other person doesn't even, they don't even know maybe. Catching up. I want to, I, that's a short side on me. Of course, I can listen to this podcast a hundred times if I want to. And I usually do because I always get fed when I'm listening to. I figure if I'm getting fed, some of the rest of everybody else is too. I like that. Beautiful. That emotion thing and that that's a couple of things that uh we talk about perception. You know, everything's about and doesn't you don't you hear my perception of what it was like growing up later on or figure out that that wasn't really real. <laughs> that's not the way it was. That's just right. the way it, just like I was talking about my father. I perceived that I wasn't getting what I needed out of him. It was right. false, but I still perceived that and it had that effect on me. So here's here's another thing that you know, talking about empowering. So we can uh, we can really empower ourselves because anything that you believe, truly believe, that you can do, you can do it. Now, at the same time, anything that you somehow talk yourself into that I cannot do that, you will only find in the outside world that you cannot do. Right. Right. Henry Ford said, yeah, Henry Ford said, if you think you can do it or not do it, you're right. You're right. And so, you know, when we're talking about recovery, when we're talking about, you know, bending the arc of your life in a positive way, you know, one of the first things to work on is to actually see the potential for yourself that you can do this. And, and you know, it's helpful to have uh, support and people that remind you to believe in you, but ultimately you need to believe in you. You need to be able to lift yourself up when you're by yourself. Because your whole life is one giant accumulation of all the things you do, mostly when nobody's watching. Yeah. And so can you believe in you? Can you take that little scared kid that's afraid of ghosts under your bed and take the, you know, that's your little ego? That's not kind of scared of everything and mad at everybody. Right? Doesn't think it can do anything. Can you take that little kid and hold his hand and say, I know the way? And I'm going to get out of this because I believe in me. I know I got this in me and I can visualize it. I can see it. I know where I'm going and I believe in me. You got to believe in yourself. You got to yep. believe you can do it. And even if, if it's small steps. So, you know, when you start a 12 step program, you show up for your first meeting. 
Now, if you, if you, if, if I tell you before you even start, like you got to commit to the whole program and you got to like, you know, this is going to be years or whatever. You don't have to believe yet that you could do that, but you could probably believe that you could show up for one meeting. Yep. And you could probably then find the belief and inspiration. Oh, I'm going to go to another one. And maybe you string a couple together, right? And whatever it is that 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 is, you know, your area to work on. And maybe you can say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to do this for a whole week. And by the end of the week, congratulate yourself. All right. All right. Just do it one day at a time. Pat on the back. I said, I got them did this. I did this. I moved myself through this. If I know I can do a few days and I can string together a week, let's see if I can do a month. Now, 1% incremental improvements daily will get you in anything about 320% better by the end of the year. 1% a day. I can just be 1% better tomorrow than I was today. Now, if I told you you need to be 320% better by the end of the year, you'd be like, screw you. I don't have that in me. That doesn't make that. I can't like, I can't grasp that. But if I tell you, can you do 1% a day? Right. Exactly. I tell you to do one push up today. Can you do two tomorrow? Right. Well, you do that a hundred days in a row. You're doing a hundred pushups today. Yeah. Yeah. Like we got to string our little wins together. Yeah. We got to string our little wins together. We got ourselves out of the rabbit holes we find ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like we've got the self-esteem beating the hole so bad that uh that's that's how we get over that. Yeah. Just and have, how do you build up so how do you build up self-esteem? How do you build up confidence? You gotta show yourself yeah. that you can do it. And you don't have to boil the whole goddamn emotion day one. Right. Like just do one thing. Like you want to shape up your life, eat one meal a day clean, you know. I mean, your, your your diet isn't that great. Your 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 sleeping habits aren't that great. Maybe your, your health routine, whatever it is, right? Well, clean up one little thing, and then add a second one, and then you know you build. Yeah. After ninety days, you got new habits. Always makes me think of a joke I heard too: the difference between a good habit and a bad habit. Or good habits are easy to break. That's uh, <laughs> a bad one. So it's hard breaking. But yeah, you create a new life for yourself like that. One, you know, one of our foundations of 12 step stuff is one day at a time. You know, yeah. can I do this today? Well, yeah, you can do anything for a day, right? Any, you can do anything for a day and then, okay, I did it today. Good job. Now I'll do it again. When I wake up in the morning, I'll do it again today. And, and, long and, you're sober and for a while. I will add this to it. And this really helped me when I was in a bad place. You know, your 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 whole life, your all your experiences, all your past, everything that's already happened, it's actually sort of irrelevant. Because every morning when you wake up, it's a blank canvas. Mm-hmm. Now we don't usually see it that way because we bring all our baggage from our whole life into the next day. But you could actually decide, it's very powerful. Wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know, all that stuff, it doesn't mean anything about me. Because that was just another version of me that made these decisions and ended up in those situations, which are logically explainable because I made poor choices. And then that ended up with poor outcomes and results. 
But just because I did that, I can just look at that, draw my lessons from it. That wasn't a great way to go. And tomorrow I got to paint a new, I got a new blank canvas. Mm -hmm. Nothing in your past defines you. Nothing. But you do need to let it go. Yeah. Not carry it into the next day. Yeah. And so, most of us you know, are running around with a bunch of baggage. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this example. So, you know, imagine someone is trying to quit smoking, right? He goes to a party and someone uh, offers him a cigarette and he says, well, you know, I'm trying to, trying to quit smoking. So that actually, and that linguistically, what you're telling yourself, I'm trying, right? And that actually has no end. Well, you're going to 20 years later, you're still trying. Mm -hmm. So actually, the more important thing is, and this is a critical thing. Well, now it's the other person. And they say, I'm a non-smoker. No, thank you. Now, you can decide the moment you put your last cigarette out and you decide in that moment, I'm a non-smoker. It's done. It's a decision. Yeah. The word try is a dangerous word when you're trying to, when you're making improvements on yourself. I'm going to try. Anybody and of course, me? you know, the first week, couple of weeks, there'll be some temptations. But every time you can rebut the temptations, and if you're a non-smoker, I'm a non-drinker, I don't do drugs. Like these are definitive instructions to your subconscious mind. Like, you know, this is not who I am. And then 90 days, you will find yourself like, hey, my brain has literally changed. Yeah. It doesn't have the same temptation on me. It doesn't have the same pool on me. And of course, you know, occasionally we can be in a bad situation and some of these old habits kind of kick up and, you know, uh, but it will be so easy in those moments to remind yourself that, you know, no, I know that doesn't solve anything. It's a big difference if you say I'm trying to stop drinking, trying to do drugs, I'm trying not to do drugs and trying not to smoke, trying to go to the gym. Trying to eat healthy. Well, you know, you're going to be trying the rest of your life. Yeah. Probably failing quite easily. Yeah. The, 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 the tiniest little bit of temptation, it will pull you right back in. Because you didn't tell your subconscious, that's not me. I don't do that. And this goes for integrity, fidelity, honesty, you know, all, all of it. You know, if you're in a relationship and it's committed and, and you know, you've got a beautiful temptation that shows up, I'm trying to, you know, not, yeah. not cheat, right? Yeah. Oh, man, you're going to be in torture that whole goddamn night, you know, yeah. because your mind is going to play tricks with you. Testosterone raging through your veins, you know, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. Or if you made the decision, that's not me. That's not what I stand for. Right. right? That is not me. And it's like, oh, that's a really beautiful woman. And under other circumstances, maybe that would have been fun. But it doesn't have any pull on me. Yeah. Because I know who I am. I know what I decided. That is the integrity. There was an old meme that was around in uh, recovery houses whenever I first started trying to get sober that way. And uh, it said, uh, do or do not. There is no try. Either do it or don't do it. There's right. no trying. It was Yoda was in the background of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, use that one. But but it's power. Our mind works on words and linguistic and visuals. And so the way you talk to yourself, 
way you talk to others. You're, you're, imagine your subconscious is just listening 24-7. Here's every thought. It actually produces most of your thought. But it hears what you say. Right? It feels your energy behind it. And it's just, you know, it's like a data recorder. Yeah, it's a reprogramming. That old programming, we have to get rid of that old programming. And, we, and so one way we can do that is by doing this new program. So this is why I also say to people, like, don't call yourself an idiot. Yeah. I'm say I'm a fool. I always lose. I always have bad luck. Because you're yeah. literally telling your subconscious, okay, that's the instructions. That's yeah. what he wants me to find or she wants me to find. I'm not beautiful enough. I'm not talented enough. I'm not good at these things. I'm not good at math. The moment you say I'm not good at math, they're not a math test you'll pass, right? Yep. yep. Same thing. No matter which, whether you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. And then, and then we say, well, people like me, people like I don't my gender, my skin color, my social background. You know, people like me don't have this, can't do this, all this stuff. And frankly, we know this is not true because I can find for, for whatever you name, I can find an example of someone that rose above that. Mm -hmm. Now, how did they do that? They didn't believe that. They just simply didn't give it any credence. In their mind, maybe the way they were raised, maybe their parents put positive programming in there, or maybe they just simply said that it's just bullshit. That doesn't count for me. Like, I don't care if, if you say that people like me, for me, I, that doesn't that doesn't limit me. Yep, limiting thoughts. And you sure. know, once again, I am my biggest problem. Uh, I create my own problems and my own hurdles and my own stumbling blocks most of the time. It's yeah. not it's not him or her, or that or that. Oh, because when you put it outside of you, you have no more power. Now, when you say. If someone shows up in your life that's a detriment to your life, not a constructive, and this can be a family member, this can be a, a friend or whatever, and if they are not empowering you, what you have done, even if it's your parent, you have brought that person into your life or allowed them to be in your life. And so sometimes we have to lovingly kind of create distance. Is if that person is not empowering you, is not helping you, is not supporting you and where you want to go and what you want to create and how you want to interact with people, right? They keep tearing you down. They keep reminding you of all your flaws, of all the stuff you can't do and all that. Well, that's a good reason to say, well, listen, this is not empowering. This doesn't help me, right? So I still love you. Just going to put you a little bit outside my inner circle. Still love you, still care for you. Don't wish you any harm. But I got to clean my circle because I I know where I want to go. Yep. Boundaries. And I need to find people that will help me, lift me, support me. Type of friendships that I want to bring into my life. Love relationships. Especially when we're climbing out of a deep, deep rabbit hole. Because lots yeah. of people would love to for you to stay in there. Yep. That old crab in the bucket rule. You know, yeah. keep on reaching up and pulling the guy back down again. Yeah, because it makes it doesn't confront them with their own issues, right? Yeah. When you're lower than them, for a lot of people that also don't feel great, right? They feel relative to you. They feel some kind of superiority. 
But now when you start climbing out of the bucket, they're confronted. You're a mirror. Yeah, right. Exactly. Mirror. Right. And now you're starting to do things that they maybe deep down inside wish they had the strength to do. Mm -hmm. They wish they could believe in themselves. And now when your life starts turning around and you start creating positive things and you start kind of you're building your life, your career, and you're kind of getting all, all of it together again. Now they might very well be looking at you like, you know, a little bit of jealousy. Like, how did he do this? Or she. Yep. And it happens with, you know, I keep on mirroring off of the recovery thing, but you know, you're, if you keep on hanging around with the people that are still using, you're not going to get sober. <laughs> you have to get away from that. They will, you will end up in that environment. You cannot, you cannot succeed. And people don't understand that even like maybe it's their spouse, you know, and it gets into something like that type of deal. Or like you said, parents, these people that are really hard to push outside that hula hoop uh, become a real challenge. But well, here's here's the thing, you know. No amount of poverty of any person has ever made anybody else escape poverty. No amount of bad health has ever made anybody else healthy. You know, so when you think about, okay, I need to rise up. I need to rise up for myself. But ultimately, you're actually showing others that it's possible. They might not be ready to see that, but you doing that, maybe even creating distance while you're doing it just so you can get out, is also that you can stand on the top of that rabbit hole at some point and say, listen, I know it's not easy, but I can promise you it's possible because I did it. And there's yep. nothing different about me and you other than that I make these choices, these decisions, and this is what I committed myself to. But you can't do that unless you're out of the rabbit hole. Right. Because both of you at the bottom of the rabbit hole, I mean, this is just firing. Yeah, this is just banter over probably drugs or alcohol or whatever you're numbing yourself with, right? Yep. So you are actually serving everybody. By finding your way out. And sometimes part of that path, you got to walk along. You got to leave some of these other people behind. Doesn't mean you don't love them. Doesn't mean you don't care for them. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you can't give from an empty cup. You got to go fill your cup up first, right? You have to put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. And that's a tough thing for a lot. For that's, that's one of the biggest hurdles I run into is getting people to to be able to set boundaries like that and, and, and make, get that out of their uh, immediate environment. It's a, it's a tough one. Got to replace them. None of this is necessarily easy. It's nope. You know, none of this is easy. Um, Nobody promised it'd be, easy. but it's doable. You it know, doable. It, it, it's, it's, it, but it takes commitment and it takes a uh, walk in a path and having yep. a backbone where, where you might have a wishbone today. Yep. And I have, in my opinion, I need that same thing that guy coming out of high school wanted whenever he was going to be a carpenter. I need a mentor. I need somebody to help hold okay. my hand and encourage me and tell me it's possible from that spot already okay. and, uh, and help. We all do in some way. I don't know how to do it. We all do in some way. Even just what I said when we started, right? I mean, sometimes I get clients in the first couple sessions. I'm just repeating myself that I believe in them. 
because I can't really coach them. I can't really take them on a journey unless I rekindle some of this belief inside of them. Yeah. And these are sometimes people that haven't heard that. Even very successful people, very high level people. We think like, you know, they've got all their shit together. You know, and they don't. They don't believe in themselves. They don't believe they can do it. And, and you know, we have to believe in ourselves because that's where we find our power. And that's how you motor through the inevitable obstacles and storms and little, like, distractions. And, you know, we, we get tempted once in a while. Well, you need to believe in yourself. And you need to kind of be able to tap into that power inside of you so you can motor through that. So how do we do all that? And somebody's well, sitting there today and they're listening to this podcast and they, they're down there in the bottom of that bucket. Yeah. Yeah. Wondering what can they do? How can they get started? I think the first thing is, is go in the mirror, wake up in the morning, tomorrow morning and look in the mirror. Right. And the first thing you tell yourself is I love you. And we're going to find a way out. Because you really have to love yourself, as corny as that sounds. Because mm -hmm. if you, if you're your own biggest critic, you're not going to get to tap into the powers that are in you. And I know the powers are inside of you because we all got it. We're all hardwired for this stuff, right? We can all do it. There's nothing. There's nobody listening here that has any situation in their life that cannot be entirely transmuted. Is everything is possible. And everything is available to you if you believe in it. Now, you are going to have to walk that road. So you first have to say, I'm worth it. I love myself. Maybe the world, it doesn't feel like the world loves me, but I love me. So I'm going to do it for me. Is I want to create my most beautiful life. I want to create something different for myself. And I'm going to commit myself for that. I'm going to invest in myself. Because I'm worthy of that. And then we go on the path. And I do think that, uh, especially for um, chemical addictions, alcohol, drugs, things like that, um, it's very important to get support uh, because your whole hormonal and biochemical system is whacked, you know, and, and that's correctable. When the human body is, a, is an incredible instrument. It can self-correct. It can self-heal. It, it has an intelligence inside of us. This is what the same thing that heals your wounds when you get a scrape. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to think about it, but it I does need I'm a chance. I think but I'm going to stop bleeding. No, you don't choose to stop bleeding. That's right. set up in there. But this, this, we do have to realize that, um, you know, when we've been addicted to these type of um, chemicals, it changes our biochemistry. And so, you know, that messes with your brain, messes with your dopamine receptors, it messes with your serotonin. Yep, and so those. there's actually biochemically reasons why you're you're drawn to that, even though you know it's bad for you, right? I mean that those dopamine hits, the serotonin hits, you know. I mean they're very powerful. Now you can create those in healthy ways too, mm -hmm. and that's a process. That's a that's a road we got to walk. Yeah. And I think the twelve step program is fantastic. I think there most places there's, uh, you know, people that are more specialized in the drug addiction and things like that. Um, mentors, 
positive role models, people that have walked the path that you can relate to. Because um, if you could relate to that person, to that person's story, right, then you can kind of see yourself in it. And now you can say, well, shit, man, that person can do it. And they're not that different than me. Yep. And, you know, they already done it. So they know how to do it. And they're actually willing to hold my hand and, and, and you know, help me up. And so, you know, we seek help. Yep. And sometimes it's hard to ask for help. It's hard it to admit that I need help. Yep. We say get a sponsor and you're telling some man, some, especially, a, and I can, again, I'm a man. So that's the only avenue I can actually speak from, from direct experience is that I don't want to ask this other man for help. I can't lower my ego enough to say, Hey, will you help me? Uh, well, but it's a, it's an essential piece of the, if this recipe. is helpful, if this is helpful for anybody, um, at the end of 2017, when my whole life kind of self-destructed collapsed, um, I went, I, I finally capitulated and I went to therapy and I did intensive therapy for five months and cause I could not get myself out of it. And I was a highly successful guy with an Ivy League MBA and I still had fancy cars and I still had all this, you know, and it was dissipating. But I was a broken man inside. I couldn't do it by myself. And this was like, you know, I'm an alpha guy. I mean, I was always the CEO, the leader everybody looks up to. I was like, you know, the, the, the big old bombastic guy and, you know, first in the war. And I couldn't do it by myself. I needed help. I needed help. I was I was just broken inside. And I I couldn't get myself out of it. And I was very close to um very, very dark places, you know, dark thoughts. And I have three kids, and that was kind of what like I gotta seek help because I I can't do this to them, you know. Yeah, right. I I, I didn't care so much about me. You know, I almost start seeing that as a relief. Just step out of it. Like then all this shit will be over. But I had these kids that I was like, man, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. And so even people that we think from the outside that have it all together, they can be completely broken on the inside. And, and for this kind of, you know, bigger than Dallas alpha guy to ask for help, you know, and, 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 you know, the therapist I went to, I had walked out of that therapy a year and a half earlier. I was in couples therapy. My ex-wife wanted to do it. Uh -huh. And I walked out on the third session and I said, you know, this is a bunch of horse shit. Yeah. I, I don't need this crap. There's nothing wrong with me. Right. And I called this lady. I was literally in the fetus position, crying my eyes out. And I didn't know who else to call. And so I called her. Her name is Marilyn. And she was like really calm. He says, I remember you, Robert, but uh, just come in on Tuesday or whatever. And because uh, I asked her, can you find me something? I didn't think she was going to take me. Yeah. And then we sat down on that Tuesday and she said, why don't you come on Thursday? And uh, and then by Monday, she said, you know, listen, why don't you just keep coming? But you need to come two, three times a week. I need I need to know you're serious. And uh I was so broken inside. I was so happy that she was even willing to work with me. You know, so yeah. anybody that needs to hear this, we we all need help. We're that low. It's a myth that you need to do this by yourself. 
It really truly is a myth. Yep. You cannot get sober by yourself. It's impossible. No, you need a you need a support system. Somebody you need take someone, your hand and you need walk some, you down the path. That's right. The thing I've heard too, I, I love all the the little stories. I like the analogies, you know, and there's one of them where there's a soldier on the other side of this landmine field and uh, he's over there saying, Hey, I'll show you how I'll show you the way. Hang on just a minute. I'll be over and I'll show you the way. And you, you, are you going to follow? Are you going to take this path that this man has followed and helped thousands of other people walk? Or are you going to say, yeah, you might know a lot about minefields, but uh, I, I will do this myself. And that's kind of the way we do it. We tend to try and solo it. Um, that's part of, but, and we're going to probably, you know, most people are going to do that. That's part of the progression. I'm not going to ask for help until I get convinced that I couldn't do it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, if that's part of your process, your path, I mean, you know, everything is always in perfect order. Yeah. Everything is always in perfect order. I I do think if you really want to bend that arc of your life and, um, get out of these deep rabbit holes we find ourselves in. Um, I'm a big believer in help, mentorship, circles, whether it's group circles, sister circles, uh, you know, 12 steps, whatever it might be, right? Yeah, you need a community around you. Yeah. yeah. And my community yeah. is the most valuable thing in my life today. I know I have a, I'm a part of a men's home group and I know I've got, you know, 60 dudes that show up every Tuesday night rooting on each other in, on. And right. I need one at some time. One of them is going to be available at least more than one will. But when I need somebody to talk to or I need some help, maybe that's the only thing I need is help moving that couch from there to there. I can call somebody and get that help. And and that's a comfortable place to be in life, to know you have that kind of support. And also when I get life's bad news because somebody's going to pass away or I'm going to hit a bump in the road someplace. Uh, you know, this, this stuff works really, really well, but it doesn't stop the world from turning around and, and wow. sorrowful things are still going to happen. And we're going to have these challenges. Man, life's going to happen. I've got this support system built there to where I can walk into that stuff in a healthy manner and know yeah. that I, I've got help getting through this. Yeah, no, absolutely. So you asked the question. I, I do have to kind of talk about this book is coming out. I don't know if you can see it. It's uh, it's called yep. Love and Truth. Yeah, uh, it's coming out tomorrow. I channeled this work actually. Uh, it's 650 pages, so it is a big read. But you don't have to read it all at once. No. It's really kind of a very deep, uh, broad um, spiritual teaching framework. And, and what what I refer to as you know, it, it shows uh, shows you how to become spiritual art, how to become a spiritual poet. Because truthfully, we are each the sculptor and the sculpture at the same time. Mm. And this is really what life is all about. When we can start seeing ourselves and our expression of life, you know, our our whole being, it's just a piece of art that we're just going to make a little bit better every day. Right. And this is our masterpiece we're working on. And that takes a whole lifetime. I don't need to finish all this tomorrow. I just got to make sure that I keep working on it. And so on the back of my book is one of my favorite quotes. Art is never finished, only abandoned. Leonardo da Vinci. And I love that so much in the context of seeing yourself as just a spiritual art piece that I don't need to be perfect. No art is perfect ever, but I cannot abandon myself. I have to keep working on myself. Whatever I have accessible today, and maybe what I have accessible today is not great. And maybe what I had accessible 
yesterday was even worse. It's okay. Just show up, keep working on my art. I stumble, I get up, keep working on my art. Because you're a piece of art. And like that. To, to make it a little bit more, um, you're not just a piece of art, actually. You're a divine piece of art. Yeah. Every life is sacred. There's something far grander than us that is expressing itself through each of us. You are literally an expression and a creation of God. God is in you, and you're, you're, you're within God. Now, if you don't like the word God, using intelligence, quantum field, you know, Ralph, Bernard, Yahweh, I don't care what you call it. But it's undeniable that there is a grand intelligence of a benevolent nature that is expressing itself through you. And it does not condemn and it does not, does not judge. It does not care all the mistakes you made. All it cares is that you're working on your art today to the best of your ability, whatever you have accessible today. And you just keep chipping away. And so Michelangelo said, you know, I saw David in the stone and I started removing all excess marble. The thing that wasn't David. And you're David. You're just a, a work of art in progress. I really right? like that. Yeah. And and you truly are. And, and you're because you're here, you're supposed to be here. This whole mosaic of humanity is just a bunch of puzzle pieces. And every single person is here because they're supposed to be here. You are meant to be here. And just you taking a breath, that already makes you sacred. That already makes you divine. Now, when you can connect with that part inside of you, your art is going to start being really, really beautiful. Because now you see it in other people. And now you start seeing the magic in the world. And now you start seeing all the poetry and beauty and all the opportunities. But you have to find it inside of you first. You have to find this little this little God piece inside of you that, that informs you like, hey, I'm a piece of art. I'm just working on my art here. And yeah, I can't you tell you. Have seen the movie uh, Finding Joe that's based on Joseph Campbell's teachings? Yeah. The, the finding yeah. Joe, he's got the Buddha story in there where they cover the Buddha with mud and concrete. And one day a little piece falls off and we're the, the same yeah. as that golden Buddha is that now my yeah. job is to keep on chipping. And that's all I want to do today is chip away that concrete once you get started or yeah, so that I get that's to the gold. We're, we're just all a piece of art. You're a spiritual poet. That's what your true nature is. You're not your job. You're not your gender. You're not your name. You're not any of these things. At the core essence of you, you're a spiritual poet. I came here to earth. To have a bunch of experience and frolic around with form and matter. Yeah. And you're hardwired to succeed. You have all the tools, all the resources, all the gifts, all the resources for your intrinsically motivated dreams to come true. Now, your dream is going to be different than mine. I don't have to live your dream. I was given my stuff because my dreams are mine. And then a little seed planted here, right? And something that wants to express through me wants me to just live that seed and see it blossom and see it flower and bear fruit and then harvest the fruit. And every single one of us came here with a little, little seed. And it doesn't matter what that seed looked like. It doesn't matter what plant. God doesn't think one tree is more beautiful than another plant. It's all beautiful. It's all art. It's all defined. It's all sacred. Yep. Yep. 
So if you can let go of this notion that you need to compare yourself to anybody else, and you say, you know, I'm just here to do me. And I'm supposed to be here. You are. I agree wholeheartedly. This this universe doesn't make mistakes, like put the wrong person on earth. Like yeah. you're not a fluke. You're not a there's mistake. no flukes. There's no flukes. There's no coincidences, no random events, and no accidents in this universe. Yeah. You are not an accident. You are not a fluke. You are supposed to be here. And you have a mission. And you have a mission and to perfect your art. Job. Yeah. Make your your art the best masterpiece it can be. And that runs a gamut. Doesn't matter it's, what it is. Yeah. It, it, what it is doesn't matter. matter. It, it doesn't it's just matter it's your piece of art. It's it's yeah. it's you know. I find that once you've had you talked about that spiritual awakening, and that's what you know, it's like being buried by concrete. I had to have some help get all that out of the way. And if I will pay attention when I get that off of me, that message will be given to me. I will find out what my yeah. what my mission is. I may not know. And most people that come out like out of 12 step recovery are doing they're working a job they hate, they're in a relationship they don't like. And uh but, and but when they come out of that, that but but listen, they find this, what they like and what they don't like, you know, and they can wake but, up to that. But but it's so simple. And I really truly mean this. And I'm not um marginalizing it. But a job you don't like, that is the universe telling you, go find another job. Exactly. Find something that aligns. Now, what you might discover is, well, the job I really want, I need to go get a certification, mm -hmm. right? Or I need to get some schooling or I need to do this or that, right? Whatever the hell it is. Well, now you go on the path, on the journey. Okay, I'll do this job. It just serves me. It's just a stepping stone, right? I'll do this job, pays the bills. I want to get the certification, and this is where I'm moving. Now, this current job is not nearly as unbearable anymore because you know where you're going. Yeah. Right? Now. And it's perception again. Anytime you're in a relationship, a friendship, anything that doesn't feel good. And I'm not, I don't mean to toss away everything after the first little um, tit, -tat, tit for tat you have. But if you just have structural issues, in your relationship and you just don't see eye to eye and the love just isn't there and you, and you generally have tried everything you could and you know maybe you're just in different places maybe you want different things in life like the most loving thing you can do is to release each other mm -hmm. and to say listen you're you deserve to be happy and i deserve to be happy and both we've tried but we can't do it together well what does loving separation look like? I'm going to set you free. You set me free. We'll clean up the mess, you know, the financial mess. We'll take care of it as gentlemen and, and, and uh, you know, we'll honor each other for the relationship, for the time we spend together the best we can within our means, right? And now you open yourself up. Now you create the room for something else to come in that you actually truly desire. Yeah. This is the, This is how the world shows you what's for you and what's not. If it doesn't feel good, if it doesn't make you happy, if it doesn't make you tick, it doesn't make you get up and out of bed in the morning and you're you're kind of excited about it, then you need to really evaluate. Yeah. It's Especially when it's chronic. Okay. You can have one bad day at the office. That doesn't mean you need to like toss your career and say, like, you know, I mean, that's that, you know, I I'm saying when you have chronic 
situations in your life. Yeah. So and you owe yourself. They won't harmonize. You can't make them harmonize. You can't do anything to make right. those two. But you, you owe have, you yourself know. that you need to go on a journey to go figure out what it is you would like to do, what it takes to get there, make a plan, get a certification, do some schooling, get an apprenticeship, be prepared to start maybe at the bottom. Maybe it's a whole new career that you know nothing about. Right. So maybe you got to have a little pay cut, yep. you know, uh, maybe you got to reduce some expenses temporarily, but you got a plan. Now you're going somewhere. And if you're, if it's something that you love to do, truly, you know, you'll never work a day in your life. Right. And second of all, gaining mastery in something that you love to do is actually enjoyable. Right. Because you will want to study, you will want to learn, you will want to apply yourself, you will want to work on it. Yep. It's intrinsically motivated. You're not doing it because your parents tell you to do it or some boss tells you to do something that you really have no interest in. And so gaining mastery in something that's aligned with you that you're passionate about is going to be really easy. You're going to learn it quickly. Yep. It changes from a have to to a get to. Yeah. You enjoy it. Just think about school. We all had favorite subjects. And it was easy, right? And you didn't mind, you know, studying for a test or reading a book or, you know, doing whatever. If you like math, you didn't mind doing math homework. And then there were other subjects. And, and you know, your mom needed to put a gun to your head to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, that's life telling you. It's guiding you. And it will. Yeah, you were talking sure. earlier about being on, and I can't remember the term you used because I don't, but that deal where when it's like poking your head up out of the cloud or something and it becomes, it's a whole lot easier to see, you know, and it's the same thing. This stuff builds on itself. You know, you're not there, but at some point I, I feel like I live on a different planet than most of the people I bump into. Uh, and I don't mean I'm better than them. I'm not saying anything like that, but there's a plane that I were an observation where I see and I feel and I can bump into somebody and I can tell if that tuning fork is aligned or not, or, and, right. and you become spiritually alive. Uh, and then it becomes easier to find out what that thing you like to do is. What is your, what is your mission? What is the thing that you're gifted to do? Passionate about. Passionate about. Yeah. And, and when we meet people, you don't need to be friends with everybody. Some people you meet, you're just going to have a good click with, just chemistry. You just get along. It's easy. It's like, you know, you enjoy each other's company. You, yeah. It doesn't take you any effort to give them a call or, or you know, routinely. Mm -hmm. Or you have other people where maybe the motivations aren't quite aligned. Maybe you think it's, um, you know, some kind of strategic friendship. It's an important person, or I really should be friends with this person, or it makes me popular, all that stuff, right? But your heart isn't in it. You know, you got to actually like think about calling them or being involved in their life and and all that stuff and so you don't need to be friends with everybody right you know you got to respect and and be kind to everybody you don't need to be friends you know yep gets into that people please and where i need everybody to like me no you don't that's that's, that's yeah that's harmful too obviously i joke around about the telephone uh, I get a kick out of looking down and seeing because my friends and the people I like, the minute I see their phone, their names on that phone, man, my vibration raises, right? Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. when that person you didn't particularly want to hear from right now, when you see yeah. that one, man, you can just feel the energy. Yeah, yeah, like, oh, shit. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. 
Very cool. Just, just a really cool example of how I think that works in everybody's life. Yeah, 100%. They feel the same way. And let that guide you. That's my point, right? Yeah, right. Use that for a compass needle. I mean, this is all the intelligence of life talking to you and through you. If it's if it's not right in your gut, if it doesn't feel good, investigate that. Why yeah. do I feel this? Why do I have this knot in my stomach? Why does this not feel good? And it's seasonal. And at the, yeah. Because and at the same like time, to do. and at the same time, when you, when something, you know, because we're very, we're all energetically sensitive. You know, you go to a party and there's a great vibe going on. You walk in, everybody's joyous, everybody's talking, everybody's having fun. And you immediately just, your vibe just, right? And you come alive and you just, you know, you, you know, you meet all these strangers and it seems to be fun and people are dancing, having a good time. Now imagine you go into some board meeting or you go to some meeting and it's a morose atmosphere and you go in and your energy immediately, like, you know, you can't wait to get the fuck out of that roof, you know, or even with a person, even maybe, you know, you go on a date and, you know, I, I told someone this, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I told someone, <laughs> someone told me like, this was a woman actually. Women are usually pretty intuitive with their in touch with their body. So they, they read these signals, you know, mm -hmm. and she said, man, I was five minutes in and I just, I, I, it wasn't that he wasn't nice or anything. I just didn't feel good. Like I, I, I just like, and I said, why didn't you just cut it off mm. and just tell him that and say, Hey, you know, I, I've had a change of heart and this is just not for me. And I, I respect you and thank you for coming. And, and she said, well, you know, how could I do that? And I said, what happened? She says, well, you know, it was almost two hours. And <laughs> by the end of the night, I almost felt sick. Yeah. So there was something in that energy exchange, right? Which was a complete mismatch. Yep. Well, when we when we encounter that, if we can in any way, just stand in your truth and recognize that. Because that is actually the intelligence of life telling you something. This is not good for you. Doesn't mean it's a bad person. Right. It's just not good for you. And you just recognize that and you say, hey, okay, life is telling me something. My body is protesting. There's so much intelligence that runs through us, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's some, you know, you hear it quite often, you know, we don't use even a percent, what, 10% of yeah. what our fraction what we have yeah. available to us. I don't know what the number is, but yeah. And, you know, over time, I actually feel like I've, exceeded that today you know i'm using more of my power today right uh you know and then i want to do the old deal where I'd, here i'll start in the bad thinking again where well daggone it i should have done this a long time ago well i couldn't do it a long time ago i wasn't able this is just you, the journey you, have, you know and you didn't have access to it and and this is another wise lesson every single person in everything they ever do is doing the best that's accessible to them in that moment right Nobody, you know, purposely does less than is accessible to them. Now, what's accessible to them might not be acceptable, might not be even respectable, might be ugly. But I can promise you, if you can look at that way into the world, you can even have compassion for someone that's showing up in a very ugly way and say, they just don't have anything accessible right now. And I might not know their whole story, what's behind it, 
Maybe there's all kinds of wounds and scars and maybe they've been really hurt in life. And, and, you know, maybe there's all kinds of things I don't even know about, Now that doesn't mean I can't use my boundaries and, and keep my distance or whatever. But I could promise you every single person does the best in every moment that's accessible to them in that moment. Right. That's some operating guidelines for me. It's the same. It's the same thing as the guy didn't cut me off. You know, I got to grant that other being that there's, there's something going on that I don't know about. And I got to, uh, and it's, and it's none of my business and this or it had nothing to do the with best you. that they can. Yeah. It doesn't have anything to do with me. Or maybe so he just didn't of see attaching emotion to it and starting to make it into a thing. Maybe he uh, was uh, fiddling with his radio and he didn't even see you and it had yep. nothing to do with you. Yep. It's this, uh, there's a, another teaching was that just running into people who are going to, uh, where that are going to repel me. It's best for me just to grant them that, that grace and let it go rather than make yeah. a thing out of it. And then yeah. next thing you know, here I'm, I am, you yeah. know, laying down in bed at night, still thinking about this thing that happened this morning. <laughs> uh, let that stuff yeah. go. Grant them that uh, grace. Perfect. Dan, I think we've been at it for an hour and a half. Yeah. We, yeah. This, I, I get high doing this. It raises my no, frequency. I, I, I love it too. I, 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 I feel great. Uh, uh, I didn't even no, know, I, you know, the day that I thought that I thought, you know what, man, I think I want to do, I want to do a podcast, you know, and all that self-doubt and the stuff. And then I had cheerleaders around me and, and it's another one of these things, just like you said, uh, it was something I wanted to do. And I set action into figuring out how to do it and coming up with the scheme. And here we are doing it today, you know, and, uh, and I didn't know how much I was going to like it. It's one of my favorite things. Love it. I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things and I will end though, and there was something that's very critical uh, in my life today is that I must be helping other people. That is an element that's in my life today that I know is a vital ingredient into having a, a, a I don't want to say what a fulfilling life. Let's say that is that I am pouring some energy into helping other people. So like when you find this thing, it's like hero's journey thing, right? Once I get it, I need to go back and show the other people that are going through the same thing I went through, how I did it. That completes the cycle. So the yeah. book again. And Love and Truth. Sale, and it's coming it's on It's coming out tomorrow. tomorrow. Love and Truth. And you can get it everywhere uh, books are sold. Yeah, Off Amazon, all major booksellers. Okay, is uh, there a best place to buy it? To, to uh, no, I mean, for me, no. I mean, uh, wherever okay. you, whatever serves your purpose, Amazon is easy. Yeah, um, it is easy. And, and if you pull up my name, Robert Althaus, A-L-T-H-U-I-S, uh, you'll see my two books, actually. Never Enough Itis is the first book, and This Love and Truth is coming out tomorrow. Uh, Never Enough Itis is more memoir of my kind of the arc of my story, how I kind of you know, rose to the pinnacle and the mountain peak and then, you know, fell from grace and then how I kind of pieced my life back together. So for some people that might actually be an interesting book to just, our uh, stories are valuable. Yeah. Read Very someone's valuable. personal journey. Uh, you know, how I, uh, I went to the top, I went to the bottom and I came back out. So, you know, that's kind of what the first book was about. Yeah. My, and, and I actually started writing it in that therapy because that therapist told me I had so much repressed emotion. And she told me, you know, I want you to start writing and journaling. And I kind of started a little bit and I wasn't really a big journaler. And I said, well, can I make it a project and write a book? And she said, I don't care. I just want you to write. <laughs> and yeah. so that's actually how the writing started. And in the beginning, I had no idea to publish a book, but um, 
you know, I mean, eventually it kind of became a book and I was like, well, I might as well publish it. And, uh, and then anyway, that, that was There's a lot of power in, in that, a lot of power in that yeah. journaling and putting things down on paper like yeah, that. For sure. Same thing with the things that you want, like vision board kind of work where I'm going to, I'm going to write down, I'm going to put pen to paper and say, right. and, and figure out where my target is, because if I don't have a target, there's no way I can hit it. Right. Oh, cool, man. Well, it was great talking to you tonight, and uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and sharing uh, what you got going on there. And I will be putting, obviously, this uh, pertinent information in the show notes for you guys that couldn't uh, spell Robert's last name by listening to it. And uh, and you'll be able to find that, his book, Love and Truth. And and what did you say the other book was? The never, first one? Enough-itis. never Enough-itis. Oh, it's Never Enough. I T I S. I get it. It's yeah. really my disease, right? My my addiction because it was never fucking enough. Yeah. All I want is more. And so I was on this treadmill and I could couldn't, you know, no matter what I accumulated, I couldn't fill that void inside of me. Yep. Which is just that accumulation, that trophy hunting, that kind of, you know, wanting more and more and more. It's just another way to numb yourself. Yep. If I get if I get that, I'll be happy. And then you get that exactly. and you're not. And it's a carrot hanging out in front of the mule right. and how he gets him to pull the cart. Just dangle exactly. it out there and who exactly. moved my cheese kind of stuff. Because <laughs> when you get there, it ain't the cheese you thought it was. Exactly. Cool, cool. Well, appreciate you. And uh we'll certainly let I you know. I appreciate you, man. It was a great out. conversation. Yeah. And I love, uh, uh there's a I say this too. If you're walking in if you're looking in certain directions, uh it, the world looks like a pretty messed up place. But I keep on bumping into men and men and women like you who are a force for the good. And, and that increases my uh, frequency and my, and, you know, makes my whole world outlook look a lot better. Yeah, likewise. Likewise. Uh, you're doing great work, Dan. And uh, kudos to your journey because I, I know you've come from a long way. And uh, now you're sharing this wisdom with other people. That's a beautiful, uh, that, that's, that's kind of full circle, right? That's yep, the hero's that is, journey. Yep, that is full circle. And I think that's ultimately my biggest mission. Beautiful. I love it. Right. And uh, if you need anything from me, just reach out. You got my email. I got my yep. number. Yep. And, uh, you know, thank you so much for having me on. I really enjoyed yeah. it. It was a great conversation. Thank, yeah. Thank you. Enjoy the rest of your Monday evening. They won't.